Good afternoon, friends. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to We Talk As One. We're live here at Defected HQ in London Sound as part of our Back To Reality Week. This is the final day. Feels like I've been doing it for about three months. Um, uh, this is our chance to have a good conversation, good discussion, hopefully some good learnings too. Uh, we're delighted to have a small audience uh, with us and we will get some of your questions in as well. So um, make sure you note them down. Uh, this one's a real pleasure for me. I'm talking to Adrienne Bookbind. I'm going to call her Dre. She's my colleague and I like to think a friend as well now. Uh, Dre's biog I'm going to quickly whip through and then we're going to talk about uh, some of the good stuff uh, around it. Dre is a and manager here at Defected, uh, moved from Toronto to London, joined the company back in 2015 as an intern within the marketing team. Uh, Dre worked her way through the ranks and now heads up A&R here. Uh, she's been the driving force behind much of the impressive publishing roster with big old signings, double platinum selling producers like Purple Disco Machine and Honey Dijon and Reva Star. Lots of familiar names that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Uh, as well as that, demonstrating a big affinity to discover new talent, developing artists for the long term work with a whole bunch of international lot too so from camel fat and dimitri from paris and vintage culture and a fire to name but a few as well as all of that um going back into dre's own personal background and love of film and moving image as part of her sync team expertise she's also worked with brands like nike and vogue and mclaren on video games too it's quite the cv dre um <laughs> welcome along Yes, thank you. Well, yeah, good to, good, to, <laughs> good to have a chat with you, and thanks for the amazing intro. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, so let's get down to it. We're going to leave some, like I mentioned, for some questions from you guys, so do note them down. And the whole point is that you can hopefully get some insight and learning into, frankly, how you can get roles like this in the music industry today. Uh, Dre, where did it all begin? Was it always going to be music for you? Was music always in the blood? Tell us a little bit about the origins of this thing. I mean, music was definitely always in the blood and um, like my friends and my family, like they really liked music, but I genuinely like loved it, lived it, breathed it. My mom was, a, she's a classically trained pianist and she's like a composer. So I kind of grew up with that. Um, but coming from Toronto, I just had my own sort of influences. I didn't like the, the radio there's different than it is here. I kind of just had to like find my own sort of sounds and gravitated towards like drum and bass when I was in high school, loved it and jungle and stuff like that. Then when I went to university, I went to, uh, to study film and sociology and I just started also like discovering like house music during that period of time. And second year, when I finished second year, I was like, I don't really want to, don't really want to be here. I want to work in music. I had like an epiphany. I was like, I really, really want to do that. But I finished uni. Um, anyways, cause I was there and I was like, I'm going to do it well. going to, mm. going to learn from this. I take what I can. Um, but that's when I kind of had, had, had the idea that I wanted to, to do music. And we've all probably had that idea at some point in our lives. How do you actually make that leap? And how did you actually go about then making that jump? Because you say it's different from being on a course that's perhaps more purpose driven to go into music. You had your passion and people like your mama were obviously a big influence, but how did you then manage to actually make that leap? Yeah, so I moved back to Toronto after university and I, I exactly asked myself that exact question. I was like, I felt like I needed to learn as much as I could and um, get as much experience as I could in sh the shortest amount of time possible, basically, because I felt like I was like 21 at that point. I was like, I'm getting, that's really young, but I was like, I'm getting a bit older. Um, I need to like jump right into this. So basically I was working my like, 
job where I was getting paid, but I was working as a server, as a waitress. And I was also then just like going out to all the clubs in Toronto, all the festivals, started my own blog. Cause that way I was like, I'll speak to like every DJ that comes through and by interviewing them, I'll learn from them mm. and also make like network and make those connections so and um, did the blog have was it a particular niche was it just a broad electronic music was yeah it? it was just like it just it was just electronic music basically that's that's what it was but i was also like writing for a few other blogs because those those are the, the people that could get me into the festivals and the clubs so i could get those press passes the to blag. a big blag yeah <laughs> big blag yeah so that's exactly what it was it was blogging Bla- for the blag <laughs> blogging like and blagging that. yeah and but did you enjoy writing as well was that a big part of it I did I did like it but I was actually doing a lot of like video interviews so my nice. first my the, the first one I did was with um Sharam from Deep Dish and Lee Foss and then I went on to do uh Detroit Swin- Dam Swindle now now Dam Swindle Martinez Brothers DJ Tennis and I was like Toronto's a pretty small city compared to London so there's only a few clubs and festivals that you really can like get into and then you're going to just meet all these people. So that's what I was doing. And I was, but that's quite a big deal. That's quite a leap, isn't it? From a passion and a love of the tunes to suddenly you're getting FaceTime with all these pretty amazing artists actually. And, and DJs, did you realize then that this was for you? And also was, uh, was there something about your perhaps personable nature or the ability did you think actually do you know what I'm working well with these people I'm getting great answers from these people like was that did that feel exciting tell us more about that yeah it was so exciting I was like this is also when you're like getting yourself into situations that you're like I'm probably not like qualified to be here (laughs) or whatever I'm just like I'm gonna kill it and then it just gave me that I was like I was like driven off of that sort of I have nothing to lose mentality which is really really like even now I look back at that and I'm like, I have to remind myself to like put that back into what I'm doing now. Like I sort of nothing to lose that. mentality. Um, but do yeah. Do you think that's just a youthful, do you think that just comes with being young that you roll the dice more? Definitely. Because if you, you don't have, you don't have anything to lose. You don't have much at stake. Yeah. You, like literally you're like, well, nothing could go, I, nothing can go wrong because yeah. I don't have a sort of thing to hit with it, I guess. So. I think that's a lovely thought, though, the idea that you need to bring that back more into, because I, I often think that too, and I know a lot of other people, you need to bring back that risk, actually, into your day-to-day, even when you've you know, got positions of seniority or been working in a place for a long time, that feeling of anything can happen and let's make it happen. A certain audacity, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And and you, you, it's so much more rewarding also when you're like doing it yourself. It's like you're the one creating your own opportunities. Like You're the one that's like securing those interviews or meeting those people and creating those relationships and it's like coming from you and it's it's really rewarding and um artists and stuff also will remember that like oh like lee foss and sharan they're like oh that interview like from back detroit swindle they're like that was the craziest interview like i brought like all of these like dutch treats like sweets and stuff and i was like swindling them with (laughs) with the with them so yeah they remembered it i love that which is which is very marketing and almost guerrilla and and certainly very inventive and creative, which I think is really interesting because, you know, knowing what you do on a day-to-day basis now, probably I'm, I'm now starting to think, I wonder if there's interesting little tactics that you weave in to perhaps develop artists, but we'll get back to that. So you've got these incredible artists and people that you're managing to, uh, to get onto your blog and getting you lots of blagging action in clubs in and around Toronto. Did you think, though, at that point, I need to get out and move on to, for example, to move to London, or did that happen by chance? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like I kind of hit a point where I was still working as a server, and 
I, I knew as I was doing this, like, as I said, I was trying to network and learn. And that was my prerogative at the time. And I was also trying to save money because I kn knew that I couldn't, this, this wasn't kind of a sustainable thing. And I wanted to just like continue to grow and like do more and, um, experience further things. So I was like, I'm just gonna move to London. Um, because I, actually the reason why I decided to move to London is a very, it's a weird kind of thing. But at the time when I was in uni, I discovered, um, Rinse FM, which at the time I think they had just got a license mm. to, to, for, to be mm. like a, a community FM radio station. But I had this app on my phone and I was like always like locked into Rinse FM. And I was like, the idea of pirate radio, I'm like, that's so crazy. You're literally like stealing the airwaves <laughs> to get your music heard. And I, I love that mentality. So I was like, I want to go to London. Not only did I love a lot of the music coming out from there, but I was like, I just feel like it's a really good hustle and like a good environment to be around and, and learn. So I just, I moved, I didn't have a job or anything, but I had saved a little bit of money, um, lost 50% of the money that I did save because the exchange rate was really bad. So I was like, <laughs> but I, I just, yeah, I took a leap and I, and I moved here. But that's a huge leap, you know, and, and again, I love the fact that you say it was influenced by perhaps the London thing of a station like Rinse and the notion of pirate radio and the fact that you were into D&B and there's obviously a pretty significant scene here, but it's still a leap. What what obstacles did you face coming here? Did it feel like a culture shock? Was it was it a huge difference? So I had been to London before and I did always love it. So it's different though, like living here than visiting, obviously. But um, it's interesting how you say it, it's a big leap. Because at the time, I didn't see it as a big leap. I saw it as a natural kind of like next step. And there's this one quote from Rick Rubin, who I'm obsessed with. And I'm oh, sure yeah. like, yeah, he's amazing. And he says, you make progress really quickly through small steps. Hmm. And to me, it was a bigger step than other things. But it, I, it felt like one kind of small step on the journey nice. that needed to be done. Um but yeah, it was definitely a challenge. I didn't have a job. I actually enrolled at Point Blank to do radio production because of the pirate radio thing. I was like, hey, maybe I'll try to do that while I look for a job. And um, so I just wanted to like immerse myself and be around music. Um, and so I did do a course at Point Blank. But as I was doing that, I ended up also getting an internship here. And how come? Did you just know someone or? So... I um, I was actually applying for jobs when I got here and I'm not, I wasn't getting one answer. Like sending out my CV, I was like sitting in coffee shops, like applied for probably like 50 jobs within music, any job. It didn't even matter. I was like, I just want to get my foot in the door. Didn't get one response. And my friend who I had met in Ibiza the year before, he was in London and he was like, just come out for a drink tonight. I was like, no, no, no. Like I can't come out for a drink because I was also going out a lot when I first got here and like I went to like boiler rooms and I knew some DJs that were coming yeah. through. Yeah. So I was going out all the time. I was like, no, 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 I need to like get a job. I'm not coming out. And he's like, no, no, just come. Like the marketing manager, for, I'm going with the marketing manager for Defected. And I was like, okay, fine. And then I met him and he was like, they, they were hiring for like a marketing job. And I was like, oh, I have some digital marketing experience. And he's like, well, we're kind of like looking for someone to come in and hit the ground running, but come through and like maybe we can get you involved in some other way. So I was like, sweet. And then, then I got a job as a, a job and I got an internship here first. I love, I love that. And you've kind of skipped over lots of kind of bits there, but I suspect if you were having your time again, or at least giving advice to like some of the guys here, the fact that you were saying you were 
you were going out all the time to the lights of boiler room. You were trying to spend time in and amongst music. You enrolled in something like, like your, your quote was immerse yourself in it. I presume that's what you would say to any young person, frankly, trying to get into it. Would you just say you just need to be immersed, saturated, networked to the max if you possibly can? It's totally that. It's like networking, taking risks, putting yourself out there, making your, putting yourself in situations where you're going to feel uncomfortable because I believe that that's where you'll push yourself the most. Um, yeah, so like networking, taking risks, learning, and um, just like working really hard and then just doing all of those things over again mm. and over again. And keep and doing it and keep trying. And your kind of coffee shop CV send out kind of point was, was exactly that, right? Presumably you have to be both thick-skinned, would you say, and also quite relentless in your pursuit of trying to get something? Yeah, you have to be relentless and just like just like believe it, like believe that you can do it. And I think also having moved here, it was like, again, going back to the you have nothing to lose situation, it was like, I was like, I'm here for a reason, so I want to mm. like get to where I'm going. And it did happen a lot quicker than I thought it would, but I didn't really think further than like what I was doing that week or who was at, like what CVs I was sending out or who I was going to meet. So, um, yeah, it did happen fairly quickly, but it also happened. Um, you, you create your own opportunities. Yeah. Did you, did you have to research your positions as well? And I assume you knew defected a bit or were you a big fan? Yeah, I did know defected really well. I mean, I, I as I mentioned, I was a huge fan of dance music. I'd been to a few parties, defected parties in Ibiza. Um, I had actually been to a, see Dennis Ferrer, um, a few days before I met M Matt Braun, that's the guy yeah, who was yeah. working here at the time. So, um, and I had known Dennis from being out and, and Andre Oman, who was, who was DJing there as well. So I already did know Defected yeah. and it wasn't like, I, I, I fe it felt like a natural kind mm. of fit as well. Mm. It's, it doesn't feel coincidental that, you know, even when you mentioned someone like you kind of knew Dennis Ferrer a bit and the blog having that time with the artist considering now what you do and your time quite literally with each of the artists you know individually and nurturing them or working with them you know in that in that close proximity it feels that's quite a thread actually that you can actually see right from your blog and i really love that because when you're just doing a blog and you're kind of joking saying well i just wanted to get blags into clubs it's really interesting that that actually is a brilliant red thread all the way really to what you're doing now with writers camps in here and we'll come on to that in a minute but you know what I mean it's it's not the normal way for everybody basically spending those times with those artists yeah it's true and then that kind of just goes back to like just I think in the music industry especially like you just have to love love the music a mm. lot and like artists are the the pulse of the music industry they're the ones that are creating the music that have all the fans that why a record label can exist mm. or an events business and um they just appreciate people that love the music and and you're you know we're fans of the music it's amazing that now even we have the writing camps and um i'm working here it's like you just get to work with people that have inspired you and um and they were when they respect when you get to a certain level too they like respect what your opinion on certain things which is also really fulfilling um because it comes over time. And so when you first joined, so you were marketing intern? Yeah, I was like marketing intern, but also also I, um, because my, my point blank radio production course, I did learn how to like produce radio items and stuff like that. So Simon was like, oh, we need to redo the defected radio show imagery. So he was like, do you want to give it a go? And I was like, yeah, sure. And definitely wasn't, again, qualified to do it, but I was like, I'm going to take this. 
and like do it. And I don't think I slept for like a month. <laughs> <laughs> I was like using the, the limited like skills I had to do, but I did end up doing it. And like, but I was like determined. So I just, yeah, again, lack of sleep when you first get into it is a big one too. But would you say, again, I love the fact that you said you didn't necessarily know how, but you absolutely did it in the end. Would you say everyone should have that approach of even if you can't, you take it on anyway and frankly make sure that you can? Like, is that, is that a good piece of advice? Feels it. Yeah, I do think that the way you just said it as well. Yeah, that's definitely feels like a good piece of advice because there's still things that, I mean, every day is just learning. And um, if if you're given an opportunity that you, those opportunities aren't always going to come. So if you say, oh, no, I don't don't really think I can do mm. it. Or you say, yeah, definitely. I'm super mm. capable of doing that. And then just figuring out how to do it and delivering. Then that, I feel like that's just and then you're learning and it also is fulfilling and, and not letting the tools become the reason you can't do it so it's like we'll learn it then and as you said you know i know you're half joking but probably only half joking you didn't really sleep because i suspect you no, were learning I totally didn't sleep there was design software packages that you were suddenly having to design yeah <laughs> like, artwork for but that's wicked right because ultimately yeah. it's you conveying an idea in the end it's just the means with which you can do it yeah yeah and so how come you didn't end up in marketing tell us more about this little route so um I actually always did want to get into A&R, but I wasn't like vocal about it because I know that that's a lot of people want to get into A&R and um, I would just took any opportunity to get into to this, to this company. Um, so then Simon actually came up to me and was like, can you, can I get you do a, do something? Can you make a list of the top 10 things? So like your top 10 favorite producers top 10 favorite house records top 10 favorite afro house records top 10 all-time favorite all these things he's like you have till tomorrow morning i'm like okay cool and i was like damn i really okay so i i started again didn't sleep the whole night i was like writing my top 10s and then came into simon's office with my with my list and we were like going through it and um it was a bit obscure some of the things like again i came from like i like drum and bass but i loved house i loved afro house i, I loved all of it and I was like really excited to share what yeah. my answers were because yeah, I just love sharing um, yeah. music. So oh, Simon's here actually right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then he was like, well, this is, he's like, this is really interesting. Some of these tracks I don't know. Um, what, what are your thoughts about like A&R? And I was like, oh, that's actually something I really want to get, mm. get into. Um, and he was like, well, we have like a position available, but it's in publishing, publishing A&R. I was like, okay. And, and for some and of the people watching, just explain what, uh, what that means and perhaps how there's a slight difference. So at the time, I didn't know, didn't know what it was. But that's either. right. right? Yeah. A lot of people don't. And even, even the words a a lot of people don't. And kids, you know, like, I think that sounds wicked because ultimately I'm just going to go and find some new artists. But just explain a little bit how it is, even in a label like here. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, A&R stands for Artist and Repertoire. And um, there, there's basically two, like with Defected, for example, we have Defected Records and all of our labels, and that's like the recording side, and you work with artists, um, and then on the publishing, every record has two sides, basically. There's a lot of questions, there's a lot of answers in that one question. Yeah. Um, so every record has two sides. There's the, the master side, recording side, and the publishing side, and the publishing side has to do with like songwriters and composers, um, people that write the lyrics and melodies, and then the recording side typically is, has to do with like the artists, so the people that are performing those records, um, fronting those records, and that's like the record label and the publisher. Those 
they're, they're two different copyrights. So a lot of the time, they're one and the same person, especially in dance music, like the producer also is the artist or um, the vocalist who's on, the vocalist is also the songwriter. So they're, they can also be one and the same thing, but there's two separate copyrights and two separate revenue streams. And was this a lot to take in and learn initially? and Or rather, was it a quick learn, but it was actually how it then works within your job that was the challenge? Like, how did you find it in those early days? It was like super confusing to my brain, but I also just <laughs> like, I, I got, they, they gave me um, a book. It was like, it was a really, really <laughs> thick book. And they're like, here, read this and you'll learn it because you're hungry. And I was like, okay. So I like sat, I remember we went to Simon's Villa, actually, um, a few of us from like the A&R and business affairs team. And I was just sitting there just reading my, my textbook about publishing. And then you learn on the job. Like there's no better experience than being in it and getting thrown into the deep end, I guess, kind of sink or swim situation. Give us, give us an example or two, maybe of those early days as well. Um, it's a tough one. It's like, there's just so many areas that within that publishing realm where you're dealing with um, people that have been in the game for ages. Yeah. Like publishers also have like 30, 30 years experience. They're like throwing lingo at me and I'm like, yeah. Googling it, reading really? it. and So that's interesting in itself. Yeah, there's a lot of language, and which is an assumed knowledge, which you just don't have if you're brand new, right? It's yeah. quite a hard shout. So again, are you just styling that out in those early days? <laughs> I, was, I was definitely styling it out, but like we did have, like there were some people I could ask and stuff, but um, I was definitely styling it out. But you learn so much by just doing it. And um, yeah, I mean- So that, there's no shortcut for any of the guys here watching, for example, on, on, on stuff like that, do you think? Is there anything that they could be almost prep and research to try and get into this role in their, in their futures? Or do you think that has to be learned on the job? I think you could definitely um, learn. And I don't know like, how many people watching or have you, like if you're producers or songwriters, um, but it's just valuable to know that side of things because it's empowering for you and like knowing what, money might be out there due to you or what your rights are if someone samples you or if you want to sample someone else and there's a lot of areas that you can learn like online or in a book and fairly quickly you just have to wrap your head around it a little bit more um if you're not in it but again like it's just good yeah it's good to, you can learn it and so and going back to your point of and you're with that team and you just kind of started or you were getting ensconced in the role and you're in the villa and stuff like that. How steep was that learning curve? Is it like, is it, is it quite formidable? Is it quite a challenge or did you kind of get there quite quickly? It's definitely a challenge. And like, um, it was quicker kind of getting into the role as a publishing manager. I mean, I started as a marketing intern and it was supposed to be for like three months, but it was about a month before I got offered the job that, that I had to, to learn right. it though on the job. Um, but then from there, uh, you get thrown into situations like, cause I was doing publishing and A&R and everyone on the A&R team, including Simon had been there for 10 years. Yeah. So then you face another challenge of learning from them, but also wanting to contribute to the conversation yeah. and sign the first record yeah. and do, do all that stuff. But like while learning and being respectful and learning like the, the sounds of the labels and everything like that. So that definitely came with challenges. And like, again, as I said earlier, like when you put yourself in a situation that you don't know or feel that is a bit uncomfortable, you'll get pushed to, to mm. learn and grow. But, um, 
That, I, that in itself, the, the dynamic you've just described there, I presume, is very interesting for someone new into it in the respect that there's various voices around a table. There's a tried and tested understanding and a great depth of experience, all of which you need to quickly try and bring up to get yourself up to speed on. But presumably you also wanted to be a voice of difference and show something new. Is that, is that quite a tricky thing in itself to start putting things on the table that perhaps was little different to effectively prove your place in the team? Yeah, I think that I was just like always so excited to share music though. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like no one's speaking about this person. So I would like come in with some ideas and sometimes people would be like, <laughs> no, I don't, don't know if that's right or that's a bit weird or no, it's okay. <laughs> but um, it's, the, I, I love sharing the music, but I think one thing that I learned, if I could like take now looking back mm. on it, would be just to like trust your gut really? because it takes a bit of time to like learn how to like tap into that yeah. that gut feeling or if it's like your brain or your gut. Yeah. But um, trusting your gut means you're probably in in the right direction or you know you, you it means something. And um, if you don't trust your gut, then someone else will, and then you might have missed that opportunity mm. or someone else said something a week later that you're like, that's what I was th that's what I was thinking, but I didn't trust my gut do on it. Do you think your ear has changed? dramatically in that time if you look back on that slightly younger you if you like and the stuff that you were kind of putting on the table in front of people then are you like oh my god why did I do that or why did I ever think that was great or are you actually like no no that that still stands up now I think it's just different like because doing I mean I've been doing this now for over for about six years but over than more than six years so your ear naturally like having like Simon and people on the team like who listen to music in the way that they do having like all the experience that they do you learn a lot and mm. start listening to music in a, in a totally different way but um the the records i probably was bringing to the table then um and the way i was listening to music i still have that yeah in my pet and like yeah. in my heart and stuff um it's just maybe a little bit more refined yeah now um but i think that's really important too is like staying true to your, yourself and like what you believe in because all the people that I know and respect, like they all have their own kind of like stamp on what their, their individual kind of like vibe and what they stand for. And when you start kind of like merging with everyone else then you, you don't really like stand out as something that someone that can bring something different to the table, yeah. as you were saying before. The freshness is quite an interesting part of that though. Like all, again, goes all the way back to, your original love of music full stop and the way you talked about the blog and the, not eclectic, but the variety of artists that you perhaps covered and the fact that you like your D&B, but then, you know, you like your house. Would you say trying to keep that feeling of discovery and keeping things fresh and trying to bring things perhaps from left field, do you think that's still important on a day-to-day -day rather than just, you know, becoming perhaps a, I don't know, almost a badge or an imprint of what, what Dre should be bringing, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think also like the way that we, we do A&R here and the way that I kind of started by doing it was like everyone was getting records sent to them. I was a new kid on the block. Yeah, right. So no one was sending me demos like really. I mean, I could reach out to people, but I was, it wasn't the quality and the level of stuff that I wanted to bring into A&R meetings and be like, mm. oh, here's this unsigned demo because they weren't coming to me. I was like junior, junior. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to contribute in these meetings. I want to sign a record. So I started just trying to like create those records. So if there's producers we were working with, I would get like hit up some vocalists and be like, do you want to put a 
vocal on this instrumental. And then I started kind of like getting tracks together that I could then bring in. And so I started trying to like making the, making the tracks, mm. helping to put them together so that I could come with some stuff to sign. So I was dabbing into like my various mm. influences and things that I, artists I love. And when you kind of do that, it makes things super interesting. I mean, um, tell us a little bit more about that. Cause that, so that is, again, it feels another kind of, uh, uh, facet, if you like, of this quite complicated actually area when you describe it like that there's a lot of parts to it there's a lot of moving parts and as you say there's a big difference between track landing in your inbox and going yes it's a belter big tick versus actually nurturing and actually crafting and basically being very creative tell us a little more about that bit because that sounds super fun i would suspect for many people sounds fun to me i'd love to be involved uh terribly uh, sadly not talented enough but to be able to be doing that and going do you know what stick that vocal over the top or whatever that's super cool like were you all were you immediately able did that just come with a basic music sensibility of understanding what was needed and where I mean, there's so many like elements to it. It's like, oh, does that person's like vocal tone like fit on like the like color of the of the instrumental? So, um, and then it's like, but then as you get deeper into it, it's like, is the song written in a way that's catchy or works well or is unique and like quirky enough maybe for the beat or the producer? And then you have the artist, the producer, being like, kind of maybe I'm looking for this, and um, it's it's like a long process to learn and I definitely took me a lot longer back in the day to like get that really track right whereas now it comes you know a more immediately more. now are you immediately like we're just missing those I don't know st stabs there and some snares here and that's going to be done it, yeah kind of and also just finding the right people to like put together like again I've been doing this now for six years so like my network has grown nice. so the, the vocalists or songwriters I know or their management or other publishers, like that network just grows and mm. then it makes it more, you can tap into that more quickly than when you're mm. kind of just starting out. Um, but even now, like we have an amazing roster of um, producers and songwriters that we work with on the label side and publishing side and we have, now we have a studio. So, not, so I don't have to get people to work remotely on stuff. We just putting them in the sessions and then actually that gets even quicker because rather than having to go back and forth on things over a few months, maybe it never actually works out because you didn't you just kind of, you're like, this is dragging a little bit. So let's fast forward to that, actually. And we're going to go back again as well, because as you rightly mentioned it, now you and Simon Dunmore here came up with this idea of this first, our inaugural writing camp uh, a couple of weeks ago, was it? Yeah. Ish, ish. Uh, ish you started ish. it. Uh, tell us about what you did, who you put together, what's been going on in the last couple of weeks, because it's a lovely example of that more alchemy moment we've just described when you're managing to put a vocalist and a writer and a, someone on keys in a room and some magic happens. Yeah, so we kind of like, we, ha yeah, we had the idea to do it in our um, festival in Croatia. And then we started like putting it together at the beginning of the month. And they, they started on Monday last week and it's going until Wednesday next week. And we've had like Mike Dunn come through, Honey Dijon, um, Reva Star, Remarkable, Dope Earth Alien. Um, we've had a lot of, we have like Moose T, a lot of people coming through next week. And what it's been really cool is like, you can put, okay, you're like, hey, that, that produces those skills. Want to get them with a the songwriter. Um, we need someone to play keys. We brought in these amazing guys called the Parisi brothers who are like, these mad talented musicians. And at first I was like, oh, like I put them in with like Melee and Mike. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like this might be a bit weird, but 
also like they're super talented and they're all talented. So like, let's just kind of see what happens. And I had to trust my gut on it. And everyone was, they, they've done some really cool stuff. And like, everyone's like, they're so sick. Want to work, you know, want to work with them again. So it's yeah. like, you have to think about when you're putting people in the room though, another added layer of like, are they going to vibe and mesh and also be able to contribute, like complement each other and like the, sk- the skills that they have or like what they might need. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been interesting, but actually like really fun and really so far, like really successful. Simon's like, oh, if we get one track, I'll be happy. And then now like week one's done and we have like a bunch of tracks. But I love tracks. that, but it felt like it didn't have a pressure. And again, I'm not directly involved. I only see it sort of at arm's length and it's all terribly exciting watching the artists walking through and then I see or hear a little clip and it's like, bloody hell, that sounds wicked. And but the lack of pressure perhaps from yourself and Simon saying, look, it's not about churning out 20 records. We're not some kind of machine. It's we'll yeah. see what happens. And this is a, just, just a nice thing. It's good for the artist to be able to, you know, collaborate full stop. Yeah. But actually it is more than that. And there seems to be some gold coming out of it. And perhaps again, the thread of the freshness and your kind of different approach, I really love. You mentioned the, you know, as you described the two kind of keyboardists, and you're like, gosh, is that going to work? Presumably that's again you going... I don't know fully. I can't tell you. I can't guarantee it will work. And there's you rolling the dice, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, there, yeah, there, there wasn't really pressure, but we're just like so excited to have this new space. And um, it's just going to be a bit of a game changer, honestly, like just for the way it's been happening. I mean, this has been quite intense these past few weeks. So like maybe next time we're going to strip it back a little bit. Yeah. Not put, even though there was no pressure, it was like, I think I ended up just, making it really busy but in a, in a good way yeah um are you learning through it are you uh, and then again and those little moments of alchemy thinking gosh that person works amazing with them better than i realized do you think that's now teaching you again are you moving on again do you think and what your understanding of who you should be bringing together and when yeah definitely and also the really good thing about it too is like everyone that's getting in the room together like they're then making their own relationships so they're going to stay in touch and then they're going to be like hitting each other up to work together and like one or two of them may have another further network that could just help them like another producer I would be like oh this vocals would be sick for you and that our artists and our writers like making their relationships as well directly is like a super powerful tool for us because we can they'll they'll be working on stuff and then we can put more people up and it kind of just goes from there how often are you planning them I should know this but I have no idea we're just kind of like getting this one out of the way and then we're gonna like continue it forwards but like it's just kind of the the thing that's really cool about it is like we have people so we have our festival this weekend so that's kind of where the idea stemmed from so like we're bringing people out over anyway so let's maybe get them to extend like a few days before a few days after um so we could like work around our event side which is like quite different to like what a lot of other publishers can do because our business is so we have events business record side publishing side and um it puts us in a unique position to be able to book people and then also have them as part of the writing sessions and um being able to like have people more internationally come through rather than necessarily just london based um so we could be doing it but we're doing it quite frequently i'm sure gonna keep you busy dre it's gonna be now as if that isn't all enough about your role and we talked a bit about publishing we talked a little bit about the your ability to find and discover and mind to nurture artists to sing to, to work creatively like we're doing in really uh, obvious fashion this week with the writers um, uh, camp in right here. 
tell us a little bit about the sync side as well and some of the brands. How does that work? Um, where does that even fit in? Explain what even that is to, again, some people might not even realize that this even exists. Yeah, so sync is um, when you put a track on like a film or a TV show or an advert um, or it can also go deeper where you like create the the music from scratch for something um, but that was something that I get again I like I don't do it as much now but um, I know the catalogs well pitch but f throughout the past few years I kind of took it on it was something I got excited about like briefs would come in and then I would just kind of like we like get myself in there and like pitch things too um and it's super it's it's really it's really cool when you get like a sick sync and you like see that track that you pitched on top of a advertisement and you're like that and that again, you know, and as, as an explanation and for some of the people looking to break into it, because they are roles and they exist, don't they? And labels like us in major labels, in, in agencies, in sync companies, full stop, where it still comes down to ear, right? It still comes down to trying to work out, gosh, if I marry that visuals with the sound or the beats that I know from that record, then that's going to look amazing. Is that what it comes down to? Just your basic love and knowledge of the music? It comes down to, like, if let's say you're working with the catalog, you have to, like, know the catalog. So I went on our server and I just started listening to, like, every release we ever had. So I was like, <laughs> I'll know, like, what we own that we can, like, pitch. But um, it also comes to, like, networking. Like, there's people that work as music supervisors for the brands or your Netflix or, like, all of those kind of companies. So you have to meet those people to get the briefs. So they would be saying there's a new HBO series, for example, coming out and we would like something that sounds a bit like this. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the fact that it's, it helps when you have, like people will come to us and stuff, but you have to actively broaden the network and so you can bring in more um, briefs and then raise the chance of potentially getting a sing. But it comes down to, yeah, an ear, but an understanding of the music and networking. And again, like I didn't get brought in to do any sync at all, but it's just one of those things where if as a piece of advice, like not to necessarily stick with one thing, the more you learn about the business, the more powerful y you will be as like a tool across the board. And the more you can learn from people. Um, there's another Rick Rubin quote, actually, that springs to mind. Not obsessed, yeah. not obsessed with Rick Rubin. Oh, I love a quote. So go on. But it was like, it's like um, water several seeds first to find out which one has the most vitality which is like a bougie way of saying like don't put your eggs yeah. all of your eggs in one basket I guess yeah but um yeah like the more you like learn from people and just try new things like you might surprise yourself and be like I'm actually really good at that or I actually really enjoy that but you weren't necessarily like, brought into that in the first place um I mean I came in as a marketing intern I'm a huge believer in that. It's a, it's a really difficult one because there was a very legit conversation going on yesterday about the importance to sort of know your lane, you know, from a music perspective. If, for example, you're a presenter or an aspiring producer, I think there's brilliant arguments for both. In my opinion, if you're broadly looking into going to, well, your recent conversation with me in the last whatever it is now, half an hour, 40 minutes, I think is a brilliant example of where you had to have been across quite a lot to allow those moments to happen for you to grab them and then move on. You know, you, you sort of had a bit of a creative angle that became a marketing and your marketing suddenly became, because of your passion in your ears, something else. And 
if you'd have just gone, nah, it's not really for me actually because I am that, then we simply wouldn't be having the conversation. So yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah, like being open. And it does help like with Defected, for example, like we're an independent label. So there's a lot of bouncing around between <clears throat> certain areas where if you work for a major, you feel like it's a lot more you definitely have that lane and like there's no like broken lines to cross as much maybe i mean i haven't worked a major but i think I know. they try and do it with their grad trainee schemes don't they i think that's the idea they try and give a f you're absolutely right i think the independents allow you to do that because there's only 50 of you or whatever it is upstairs yeah. and you're all in that room basically together and you have a pretty good idea of what's going on events and what's going on marketing and creative and so on majors it's different you're over six floors or whatever it might be and i think if you get onto one of the grad trainee schemes you might be a product manager here and there and so on and so on but being able to taste that and experience that feels super important um tell us more about uh you talked about you've mentioned a couple of times networking and so i suspect that's coming loud and clear what else i mean hard work's a given but like what do you focus on do you know what i mean what would be the areas you worked hardest you know you've kind of joked gosh it was sleepless nights here and but is it just is it just putting the you know everything you possibly can into those moments when you grab the opportunity like what could you give us some advice there on where to really put all of that focus it just like depends on like where your passion is and like i don't know yeah because we haven't like spoke for but it's like it just depends like if you just love the music um i know working hard sounds like a funny sounds like an obvious one but when you couple that with like taking risks and 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 learning honestly because we're always learning and the more you can take it in like it's just a cycle and it's like still like the things that I started out with like risk-taking networking um learning putting yourself out there it's like the stuff that we're still doing all the time today and if you want to let's say you're an artist who wants to like break into the music industry like get yourself like seen and heard I feel like these days is is quite challenging because like there's it's challenging but it's also there's a lot more opportunity for you two at the same time like there's more noise and there's like everyone has social media and stuff like that but if you go to the gigs that you want to meet the person that's playing because you want to show them like send send them a, a, a track that you think they would play um and you keep yourself visible on social media and use your channels, even if you don't like it. Like a lot of people, including myself, I don't like using my social media, but um, I get pushed to do it. Yeah. And but for for my work and approaching it like it's work, rather than oh, I'm not just showing showing something about your life. Approaching it like it's 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 part of what you need to do to get yourself seen and heard. But it's interesting you naturally differentiate because really the ultimate social media you ever did was your blog, and that basically started the whole journey. Yeah. And you did that hugely and with great passion. And that was this beautiful start of this amazing story. But now you might be slightly reticent to do much on Insta. It feels maybe, maybe there's something in that that it's about because you had comment, you had a reason for being, you had something to say, right? Yeah. And it's like, but, but now it's like, I'll still shout about like records of sound or like what I've now been doing is like, with like playlists, like I'm like shouting about music that I love, not only like stuff that I've signed with Indefected, but just music that I love. And like, that gives me a reason to like stay active and like not, it doesn't have to be like a picture of me or whatever it is. It's just like shouting about the artists I love, which is exactly the stuff that I was doing when I first started. And like, I think like after the pandemic, during the pandemic, it was tough for, for me at least to like feel connected to certain new music that was dropping and stuff because 
you were like at home all the time and you couldn't really like connect it to anything mm. or like a memory and um it's, everything just felt like a bit of a blur but um doing that and focusing on new music and coming up with a playlist like made me like fall back into love with music again like which I kind of like lost a bit during the pandemic for and conveys personality and is about you being a a curator right yeah you know so people are oh yeah of course that is what dre does and it's what you see and it's what you love but that's so obvious probably a playlist to everyone but it's like it's kind of important isn't it that whatever it is that you can do to show off who you are as an individual yeah, yeah. and like for artists too like what i would say because like i get so many demos sent to me all the time how many <laughs> is it, is, but is it a ridiculous amount now because you could you friend of mine it was six years ago and you know nothing was getting in the yes, inbox yeah yeah so now now it's like i'm complaining i get too many demos <laughs> but i'm not complaining but at the same time it's like i get so much so to stand out i mean if i don't if you know the person that you're sending music to i mean i'll be able i'll notice that name and click it and open it and stuff but um a really good way, like if you're in dance music and you want to get your record heard by a label or an A&R is to get DJs to play that record because a lot of the time, like we're finding music through what certain DJs are supporting. So um, if you're not getting any luck, like sending your music to, to labels and A&Rs, first thing you should be doing is sending it to DJs that you, that you mm. like and think will play it because once they start playing it, then it's going to start getting ev everyone's attention. So hammer the DJs, follow it up, a recording would be amazing, and then that legitimizes it for you. Can you even get close to getting through all demos in reality? Like, is it is it really hard for people if they just send you a cold demo, or do you still welcome it? I think like it also has to do with like how the email's written. So if it's just like a link, like hi, please listen to my demo, mm. Bob or something. I don't know, just someone. I I'm like, well, I why, why should I listen to your demo? Because like you haven't given me any information about yourself. Mm. I just just like you just it's like you want something from me mm. but like what can you what's in return kind of yeah. but if someone like says has a bit of a story about themselves like not too long but a little bit about it then I'll I'll listen to it and mm. um yeah just try to like make things like per personal to the person that you're trying to speak to if you're sending something on on an email yeah, and again, conveying your personality like you describe. Um, I'm going to do like two more questions, and we're going to um, any questions from you guys because um, I know I'm hogging it. Sorry, uh, you mentioned um, yourself during pandemic. I'm loath to talk much about the pandemic. Uh, it's nice that we are in a time where we don't have to. But the music industry basically took a bit of a hit. Let's be honest. You know, it was hugely neglected, certainly here in the UK, by you know government and insurance and events, and we don't need to go all into that. It is a challenge, right? It is a challenging place, full stop. Um, how do you see it since in terms of tips and breaking in and ability for people to... Do you think you go, look, gang, it is a challenge, but you just got to go for it in the ways that you're describing? Is it ways about action and doing and making stuff and getting it out there? Or is there a reality check and saying, don't bother? Definitely, definitely not the don't bother. Good. Like, definitely go for it. I mean, right now, I'm sure everyone feels the same. Like, you're going to a festival or a club, and, like, the vibe is crazy because mm. everyone's, like, super pumped to be out again and around people and, like, hearing music where it should be heard. And um, if anything, I think it's just as inspiring again. It's, like, you, you're going up, but you, like, appreciate to be there, first of all, like, massively. And um, you're kind of, like, hearing new things and, like, what kind of works and doesn't work. And um, 
it's just an opportunity again to like meet people, which we didn't have for the past year and a half. Like we weren't able to meet, I wasn't able to meet a new artist I wanted to try to speak to because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, and so it's like, it's, the time is now really, mm. especially when everyone's buzzing and like mm. happy, happy to be there. Mm. I like that. That's a good positive uh, <laughs> uh, angle in it all. Get it. Um, guys, any questions from you, anyone in the audience? This is going to slightly challenge Dave who's streaming this, but I'll probably repeat it in the mic, Dave, so you don't need to panic. Yo. So the so a question, I'm only, I'm only repeating it just for the purpose of the stream. So the question really is about writing or ability to get, or the importance rather of writing, be it the blogs have the worth they did with you. And I, you know, I think the start point of your blog is so fantastic. And, um, you know, there's definitely other people I know in the business who also started with a similar kind of point. Can you convey that on your Instagram? Is, should you, are there other platforms? Should everyone have a blog actually? I feel like you could, yeah, you can use Instagram or Twitter like as your blog. So you don't need to like get a URL, like pay for a website. Um, you can literally just like post about records that you love on your social media channels now and you already have a following and like a direct um, route to you're yeah. tagging artists directly. They're like able to see what you're doing, share it, helping you grow your channels. You're like pointing people to to your kind of page um but your social media page so i feel like your twitter and your instagram can just become the blog like when i started it like almost 10 years ago like 10 years ago like that wasn't really a thing i mean it was a thing there was instagram and twitter but i wasn't really yeah thinking about it in that way so I, that I agree kind of i think it's important i guess the quick answer is it is important to convey your opinion in whatever way you possibly can I employed a girl once who went to bands and she, her blog was popstarfeet.com and all she did was take photos of pop stars' feet and footwear and <laughs> Converse and stuff. And it was so cool and kooky and funny and weird and she immediately got a job at MTV and now she's super high up in like WhatsApp of all places. But um, it's just an opinion. It's just making sure that you can convey your personality. You, you know, yeah. um, what was the Bowie quote? It was similar to that, wasn't it? But it was that Insta is dangerous in that, you know, all we do is perhaps curate, but we don't create enough. And creating can just be a single sentence. But that single sentence from you is much, much more important. You know, the more that you can actually understand the person behind it, then you've got a big fighting chance of being kind of taken on, I would suggest. Any other questions to annoy Dave? Yes. So how do you choose the people in the writing camp? How does the alchemy happen? It's definitely um, a lot of... It's been a learning experience for me before this writing camp, and I've had a lot of experiences where I've made mistakes, and I've put people in the rooms together where, my God, I did think, oh, they, maybe they won't vibe necessarily vibe but like they're asking to get in with like one of our songwriters and like I've made errors where I have just gone and put them in the room together and then nothing really came really? from it like the songwriter maybe thought oh that wasn't like a good experience but the producer was like oh that was really cool that was really good and um I've learned from these experiences and actually I don't think I would have been able to go about this writing camp without having these mm -hmm. fumbles and being honest with our songwriters it has happened more so with songwriters for, for because not a lot of times in dance music which is something I'm narrative I'm trying to change the vocalists don't get as much props as the producers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time the vocalists are writing the songs. Um, 
And it's just like, and there is a mentality with certain producers um, that is starting to change, but that, you know, they're the number one. They're the, it's their track. Um, so... Uh, and something, sorry to interrupt, I was just going to say, in the way you're describing it as well, would it be right in saying it's something about the trying something new? So again, the earlier Dre kind of philosophy, the audacity of mm, what can go too far wrong. But arguably some of those partnerships, you'd be like, Jesus, would never imagine those two together and it's wicked stuff that's coming out of it. Is that still that old Dre coming out in you and putting those things together unexpectedly? Yes, probably, but also, and probably, and also like understanding like the charisma of certain people and their vibes and if they're going to work out. And I've had to say to certain certain not necessarily with this camp but also like just the ability to say no because you don't want to put one of your artists in a situation where they're going to maybe feel uncomfortable and not feel like they're getting something out of it because one of the other producers was like I really want to work with that person so like being able to yeah. foresee what's not going to be beneficial for anyone yeah. in the end is not going to look good on me if I do it again but you know if I don't learn from my yeah. from my errors um I know I'm being a little bit like vague, but no, I think that that's a very important answer, which is perhaps often forgotten that being able to be strong enough to say no, because it's actually for the benefit overall of the people involved, because you just don't believe it will work. That's quite a hard thing probably to say to artists or producers. <laughs> it's hard, but what's harder is me sitting down here, knowing a session's going on. If, if I had said yeah. yes, sitting there for three hours being like, Oh my gosh, I know this isn't <laughs> going well right now. This is going to be really bad. And then just me just saying, like, no, at, before that happens. So Good for you. Yeah. Steely Dre. Yo, <laughs> where's your starting point? Sorry, I'm just having to repeat it after the stream. Where's your starting point for finding new producers, songwriters, and how's that changed? Um, so when I started, I was, like, big into the SoundCloud game. Loved SoundCloud, was, like, finding so much stuff on there. But I actually don't really use it anymore, which is cr crazy because that was a big thing for me. Um, but now I'll... Spotify, I love, I love Spotify. It's amazing. I also just like, when I go out to gigs, you like speak to the artist. You might be like, oh, what was that record that you played? Um, that's a really good way of finding new producers that you may have not heard of. And, um, and again, that's like that sort of, if you are a producer, um, getting your records to DJs is a really, really powerful tool. But, um, yeah, I'll just I'll just kind of like I'll fall into holes. I'll look at credits a lot for like songwriters and stuff on Spotify because you can like look at the credits. So then I'll like dig a bit deeper into that and like see what they've done. Um, just get a bit nerdy on it and then like get into other holes. I don't I don't know. I just yeah. I I'll, online's amazing and in person is really good and just allowing yourself to like be open and then maybe if you're listening to something you could be like that could work on this. And I also like keep really intense lists of people that I've like loved and then I'll like go back to them if someone's looking for a vocal or something and I'll delve into the, to the list. I'd be fascinated to see those lists. <laughs> Last question, uh, Chapel the Bat in the Yellow Hood. I missed the middle part. I'm so sorry. Uh, you being, what did you remember? Is that, is Can you that, repeat? Well, about, about, um, having to like deal with an, in the imposter syndrome. Oh, imposter syndrome. Wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We all get imposter syndrome. You must've had it at some point. I don't know. Maybe you didn't actually, Joe. It doesn't sound like you did to me. Sounds I like feel, you just kept going, yeah, I can do this. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm like still in it. So it's like, 
like for example this panel I'm like oh damn like we're me talking about like my story do you know what I mean and it's <laughs> yeah. like in a way like that's kind of like an imposter syndrome type of situation still that's a good example so it's like I feel like I haven't really I don't I don't usually like stop to think that much um where and then I have to kind of be remote because I'm like oh it's just what I'm doing and I don't really like understand a lot of the time that the scale of what we've we yeah. are I do understand it but it's not yeah I just don't think about it that much but I think just yeah just believe in yourself and know that every I think everyone everyone goes through imposter syndrome so I don't know everybody's winning every, it <laughs> the thing you learn as you continue to get older and more and more senior and wherever you work everybody is winging it no one has it fully licked I absolutely yeah. promise you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. um we're going to have to wrap up there. We can carry on a couple of questions afterwards, but that's the end of the stream. Um, can everyone put their hands together, please, for Dre? Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for the students at Elam and Point Blank and for everyone watching. Um, thank you so much, Dre. Thank you.